0: You're listening to All The Best. I'm Danny Stewart. For Maduro's grandpa, Mr. Sri, religion has always been an important part of his life, which isn't surprising for someone of his generation. But what is a bit unusual is that Mr. Sri has changed religions several times throughout his life.
1: So my grandpa is a Sri Lankan Tamil man um, and he grew up, was born and raised as a Hindu. Um, but in Sri Lanka, the primary religion is Buddhism. And um, also uh, he spent his adult life during a period of civil unrest um, in Sri Lanka where, you know, being a Hindu... Um, being Christian, being Muslim wasn't um, as safe as being a Buddhist and that might have also lent itself into his increasing interest in Buddhism. But, yeah, that's so around that time he was a Buddhist.
0: So Mr Sri was Buddhist for a while and then he came to visit Madhura and her parents in Australia.
1: He and my grandma came to visit us for a f- couple of years like they stayed with us for a while in Australia and that's when he converted to Christianity.
0: Madeira vividly remembers the confusing way they found out that Mr. Shree had changed religions once again.
1: When I was in public school when I was um in year 1 or something they would take us to the church for Easter and things like that and I vividly remember him like greeting us and being so confused <laughs> as to why my granddad was at the church and like they're like this was his house and he was welcoming my peers into his house um and that's so that's when I found out um you know at home they taught me all the Hindu things and so we do those prayers and stuff like that so I had I didn't casually have conversations with him <laughs> about his religion, so I did not I, I truly had no idea um, that he was a Christian until I happened to go to the church with my school. It was I think,, um, like I was shocked. I don't know if everyone else was shocked. like I think everyone else knew that I was going to be seeing him on that day. You know, he was probably there as a planned thing because he knew the school was going to be there.
0: But no one gave you the heads yeah, up. Yeah,
1: no one gave me, poor six-year-old me, the heads up. I was like, what is he doing here? This is so embarrassing. No one else's parents randomly or, like, grandparents randomly converted to Christianity and rocked up. <laughs> so I went to a school that was mostly Hindu as well because um, it was Western Sydney was mostly Ethnic people. Um, so, yeah, it was very interesting <laughs> as well.
0: And so, how did this play out with your Hindu family? Because mm. I imagine him trialing all these different religions might yeah. have caused some tension.
1: Yeah, look, <laughs> I think, I think like my mom and my dad didn't take it super seriously or were kind of like, let him live his life. Um, I think the real tension would have been with my grandmother, who was a staunch Hindu. Um, she's like very, um, very religious. She was pretty much in charge of a lot of my religious upbringing. Even even now, like from Sri Lanka, she will send me messages on WhatsApp, reminding me about different prayers. Um, I personally am an atheist, but, nobody tell my grandmother that uh but yeah uh I think it it was cause for some tension between them I think when they were married it was a Hindu ceremony and they were both a Hindu I think um his explorations with religion happened later in life so um yeah I don't think she loved it but she's also she's she's very staunchly Hindu in that she's very big on the whole you love and accept everyone um and so she did accept him she was never you know uh, their marriage was never at stake but it was definitely a thing where she was like she wasn't like super pleased about it i think it was just like she was kind of mostly like why why is he like this kind of thing but you know
2: so
0: why did mr shri want to try out all these different religions
1: I think so. He's a very uh, curious person and just like a very social person, very gregarious. And, you know, wherever we'd be, um, he'd want to connect with the local community and connect with people. That's his favorite thing. And I think for him, for his generation, um, religion was a very easy way to do that. It was a very obvious way of binding community like for example when we lived in Westmead um the church was the closest religious institution to us he spent time there and eventually converted to Christianity um I guess because of the community that he found with the people there yeah but it, it truly was him being social like even like with him Um, exploring Buddhism was because he went and talked to monks and, you know, became really friendly with them. Um, and I think that's really interesting. My social life personally is never connected to religion, but I think, um, the way that he was able to find community with whichever religion he was, um, connecting to at that time is pretty cool. I'm happy for him. (laughs)
0: This week, stories about young people trying to understand their grandparents' lives and why religion is so important to them. In our first story, Tanya investigates the decisions that led her
2: grandparents to become church leaders. Throughout my childhood, particularly around Christmas time, I remember seeing hundreds of Christmas cards hung up all around the house. They were in the living room, the dining room, the kitchen. They were from everyone they went to church with. All these people whose lives they touched within the Christian community. Now, I'm not religious myself, and neither is my family really, but we still play a small part for Pa, which is what we call my granddad. Every time we have a big family event together, My Pa will say a prayer before we eat. Everyone listens. It's kind of a small thing we do to show our respect. Nana is no longer with us, and Pa is the last grandparent I have left. Up until their retirement, Nana and Pa had both been quite active religious leaders in their community, and both extremely well-loved. Even as they got older, they kept in touch with their parish, they belonged to senior support groups, and would visit the elderly in nursing homes. But I knew their church roles weren't the whole story. I knew they'd had other lives before. So I decided to talk to my dad's side of the family and try and piece together a more complete picture of their past.
3: I do remember that my mum was, was quite talkative and my dad was um, a lot quieter. I remember many times I felt that they were a little bit over the top with their religious beliefs as um, we weren't allowed to listen to music or watch TV because that was considered evil.
2: This is my dad, Paul. He's one of five children and Nanra second eldest son.
3: Uh, I may not have agreed with all their, their strict religious beliefs all the time and sometimes wished that I could have had normal parents that let their kids do normal things.
2: Luckily, Nana and Pa softened up quite a bit over the years growing up and visiting them in their home. They never had any issues with me binge-watching Disney movies on the couch. But my uncle Peter seemed to remember his childhood a little differently. He was born in Western Australia, but and Pa raised him mainly in Marmar Creek, a small Queensland town of about 400 people.
4: um, It would have been, um, just thinking, I I have fond memories of growing up in Queensland, but for for Pa it would have been very hard because it was... um, there was no running hot water, so they had to boil hot water on the stove. Um, the toilet was a bush toilet down the backyard, 100 metres down the, the path, which had to be emptied wow. into a pit every every week, and so, so it was a tough life for Dad, so I sort of admire him for putting up with that as a, as a young man, I guess he would have been in his 20s and 30s, and
2: My granddad's pushing 90 now, and isn't very mobile, so initially I wasn't planning on interviewing him. But his voice was the one that I most wanted to hear from. When I was a kid, no one could tell stories quite like Pa. I wanted to know who he was before the church, and what his life could have been like if he hadn't turned to God. He lives in a retirement village now, but he managed to get to my auntie's house, which is only a few streets away.
5: No, you can ask the questions, but whether I can answer them or not is going to be another thing.
2: Yeah, they're just We had a chat and I recorded some of our... his few remaining memories.
5: You're going to have difficulty with me in memory now.
2: When I was a kid, I'd only known them as church leaders, but I'd had no idea Nana and Pa's lives had switched directions so dramatically when they were in their mid-twenties, the same age as me. Pa had a childhood dream of becoming a pilot and got his flying licence. It was in the 50s in Sydney.
5: I just flew Tiger Moths because it had been my idea in the first place to work as a pilot, but I didn't get that far.
2: If you didn't know, Tiger Moths were a 1930s biplane. They're those tiny bright yellow ones with the double wings, two stacked on top of each other. They look kind of like a toy plane. Pa would fly them recreationally, before he gave them up for God.
5: God was doing his work within me and I was feeling more and more that I wanted to do what he would have me do.
2: But a piece of that life has always stuck with him. This I discovered through the use of their spare room, which I remember as a child. It was filled with models of toy planes, trains and cars, but mostly they were planes. The watch he wears now has a plane on the second hand, ticking and flying clockwise around its face.
6: I used to take us to the airport on weekends. We would often just drive out to Bankstown Airport and stand at the fence and watch the planes take off and land.
2: This is my auntie Lois. She was born in Toowoomba, in Queensland, but the family moved to Sydney when she was only six months old.
6: He had a friend who still had his pilot's license who would let him fly occasionally and. and I, um, he took me up in the plane once with him and his friend for a flight.
2: My nana Elva isn't around anymore, but I remember her as a very patient and caring woman, always commenting on all the amazing things we have these days, like phone cameras. They blew her mind. If she were alive today, she would be 88 years old, the same age as Pa. When Nana was just 12 years old, back in the 40s, she sat an IQ test. She got a score of above 170, which back then was the highest score they could measure. At the time, the local paper wrote an article about her. It had a black and white photo of her crouching down in school uniform with pigtails. Now, I know IQ tests aren't perfect, and they've improved since back then. But to put Nana into perspective, Einstein was believed to have an IQ of only 160, She was brilliant. After high school, she went on to study mathematics at the University of Sydney. This would have been phenomenally rare for a woman of her time. She would have been one of the few females in the entire university doing something like this. After graduating, she worked as a biometrician for the CSIRO at just age 22.
4: She was a very smart lady, yeah. And um, I think... um from my perspective, it was, I found that good because in high school she was able to help me with my, my maths and um, we had our own own personal tutor for, for, for maths in particular. And
2: Today there's an award named after Nana at the University of Sydney. It's called the Mrs Elva Ray Talented Mathematics Student Award. It's awarded to encourage and support talented female students to reach their full potential in mathematics. Bit ironic, Nana's potential to have an extraordinary career was cut short when she met Parrot Church. You could say it was because of the times when women gave up careers for marriage, but they were in love. The two were engaged for about five years and married as soon as Pa finished Bible college. She never went back to work. It took me a while to completely understand why they gave up on their dreams. These amazing careers that would have taken them so far. They both showed so much talent and promise, but they just turned themselves to God and forgot about their early passions. was it a mistake.
3: I don't think either of them would regret not pursuing their earlier passions. Uh, If they did, they probably wouldn't admit it. Dad felt so strongly that God wanted him to preach for him that, like I said, he handed back his pilot's licence and became a minister. Even if she did, she wouldn't probably tell you anyway.
4: Uh, She um, accepted the role that she had as a mother bringing up the family. I, myself, sometimes think it seems such a shame that... Such a brilliant person um, wasn't able to um, pursue her, her career after she got married, given her, her her brilliance.
6: I'm sure they thought about it every now and again, possibly, but they never, ever, ever displayed that, that um, they did not enjoy the life that they had and the life that they were living for God and for family.
2: turning 25 this year, which would have been almost the same age Nana finished working for the CSIRO and married Pa. It's difficult to imagine being in her shoes and deciding to marry at such a young age and throw away such a promising career, following a husband down the path of God and raising five kids. But seeing how long they stayed together and how much love they had for each other, it's really hard to feel like they were missing out on life.
3: One standout memory I That comes to mind is their 50th wedding anniversary.
6: I remember their 25th wedding anniversary.
4: Look I have have strong memories of their 50th wedding anniversary which is not that long ago now I suppose. Uh,
3: They had many many friends and relatives attending a big luncheon in a hall and it's a feat that uh, not many people achieve these days. Thinking
4: I was lucky to have a a mum and dad who um, loved one another so much and um, were able to Survive all the trials and tribulations that they had.
2: Because I had to kind of smile to myself when I realised the stand memories all their children had of them were of long-time celebrations of their love and marriage. I realise now that even though they both had so much potential, they found so much more meaning in God, their community and each other. Those Christmas cards in the living room, in the hundreds, they were testament to the lives they lived. They were happy. I really admire them for knowing what they want and going for it, even though to me it seemed like they were giving up so much, especially Nana. Maybe Nana's brilliance shone through her kids and her family, and it was never forgotten, certainly not by Pa, even with his fading memory. And what about Nana? What was your favourite thing about Nana?
5: Well, I loved her. (laughs) She and I were one. Yes, I just remembered that she was very wonderful, gloriously wonderful.
0: That story was produced by Tanya Bonnie Ray. You're listening to All The Best. I'm Danny Stewart. All The Best is a great place to learn the art of audio storytelling. Never made a story before? No problem. No experience is required. If you'd like to make a story for the show, get in touch. Visit allthebestradio.com. My grandma passed away a couple years ago now, and something I regret is not going to church with her when I had the chance. I'm not at all religious, but I wish I'd taken the time to try and understand what her Irish Catholic identity meant to her. In our final story this week, Emma looks to connect with her grandma by learning more about her deep devotion to Buddhism.
6: Hello Benoit.
7: Hello, hello Emma. That voice you just heard? That was my grandma. Saying hi to my dad and I. Every time I tell people that my grandma is a Buddhist nun who lives in a temple, they think it's the coolest thing ever. And I have to agree. She's the only grandma I have left. I've never taken that for granted but the past two years living with a pandemic has just made me extra appreciative that I have her around. I realised though that I don't actually know much about her life or who she is as a person, what she dreams about, what her fears are, and why she decided to live her life out as a Buddhist nun. Her life story is, in many ways, a total mystery to me. It was 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning when I showed up at my grandma's temple, Jewel Phat Bao. I wanted to ask her some questions and get to know her on a deeper level. The temple is located in Bonaric, southwest Sydney. My family would occasionally visit, but we never stayed for very long. That day I came with my dad and we both agreed it would be appropriate to join in on the morning prayer session before chatting with my grandma. The chant, known as the early morning Great Bell Verse, had already begun. We entered through the wooden doors and were directed to our seats inside the worship hall. A huge golden Buddha statue sat elevated above our heads at the very front of the room, gleaming bold and bright. We were told by the other nuns to keep up with the chant by following a book of Buddhist scriptures laid open in front of our seats. I didn't really understand the meaning of the chant, so I gave up trying to make sense of the words on the page and just let the soothing rhythm of voices wash over me. I spotted my grandma in her grey and saffron coloured robes, seated at the front and stationed next to a large gong. It seemed she was in charge of hitting the gong, creating these sombre tones that would echo throughout. After about 30 minutes, the chant tapered off into silence, signalling the end of the session. We helped pack away the seats and went to greet my grandma. She is small, hunched over, and happy to see us at this early hour. Knowing that I was coming for a chat, she exclaims, now what do you want to ask me? And proceeds to lead us to her room. My grandma lives in a room at the temple that's no bigger than our bathroom. It's completely white and minimally furnished. A simple, cozy and modest space. I was nervous to initiate the conversation. Because of our language barrier, I've never managed a conversation beyond simple small talk. I hope today would be the day I finally got to do that. So I began by asking her to give a little rundown of the Buddhist religion. Nào
6: học là để để giải cho người ta làm lành tránh ác và à tin tưởng học Phật để giải thoát kiếp này để lên lên Phật A Di Đà.
7: Buddhism teaches people to be morally good. It teaches you how to forget and escape from life's hardships and struggles. Learning its teachings helps you reach a place where there is no suffering, only peace and happiness
6: còn ở việt nam á cô giám niệm có cái mộng là uh, ăn chay một tháng hai hai ngày với lại là mong sao cho lúc đó là gia đình ông, ông nội đi học tập rồi ở nhà uh, bà nội phải coi săn sóc cho ba con với lại chú phú thành ra bà nội nguyện là khi nào mà có cơ hội thì tìm được ra, thoát được ra khỏi nước để sống đời tự do. Và bà nội cũng muốn là khi mà tới chân ra đây thì quanh nước ngoài thì tinh thần nó an ổn rồi. Bà nội muốn vô chùa để tìm cái, cái sự yên ổn của tâm hồn với lợi muốn đi tu để giải thoát cái
7: kiếp sống ở này không muốn trở lại làm người nữa. <cười> Back when she lived in Vietnam, she had a burning desire to leave. The new regime had sent my grandpa to a prison camp, and she was left all alone to look after my dad and uncle. She craved freedom overseas, an escape from the hardships she had faced. Becoming a Buddhist nun was her beacon of hope to finding some inner peace. And so, when the opportunity came to leave, she resolved to do just that
6: mới vô không có gặp khó khăn gì nữa, tại vì trong chùa mấy mấy cô trước là có sẵn hết chỉ bảo cô 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 giác duyên với cô giác trí là chỉ bảo của cho cô giác niệm biết những cái gì cần phải làm nên thành ra không có cái gì mà bối rối, không có gì mà phải lo sợ hết. vậy là bà nội cũng Phật, Phật tử ở đây lâu rồi, bà bảo là trước khi xuất gia này,
7: thành ra không có gì gặp trở ngại gì hết. Having visited the temple quite regularly as a Buddhist, she didn't feel too weird about the change. The other nuns at the temple also helped greatly in guiding her through the transition.
6: Cô quán niệm rất là cố gắng quên những cái 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 thời gian mà mình ở ngoài chỉ bây giờ chỉ lo một mặt lo tu hành lo cho lo giải thoát kiếp này thôi cũng về quá khứ thì lâu lâu thì nhớ nhưng mà nhớ xong rồi mình tâm trong 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 tâm hồn vất, cô giác niệm là phải quên đi những cái quá khứ của mình đi để mà mình lo cho tương lai niệm phật để tụ về sanh về thế giới khác cho nó được an lành, được được được
7: không có lo nghĩ về cái 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 ở thế giới ta bà này nữa. Polly tries her best to banish all thoughts of the past. She wants only to focus on her life and practice as a Buddhist nun, leaving the concerns of society behind.
6: Về tương lai thì cô giác niệm muốn ước muốn là À, ráng tu tập Không có nghĩ gì ngoài đời hết Để à, lên à, Cho đầu ốc Cho nó niệm Phật Để để thoát Khi mà tôi bỏ bảo Cái, cái thân này á Thì là mình ra đi rất là An lành Không có nhớ nghĩ gì Về quá khứ nữa hết Vậy thôi
7: Moving forward, she wants to let her spirit be light and clear, and is only hoping for peaceful times ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
6: on,
7: <laughs> <laughs> Throughout chatting with her, it was clear that my grandma had made a conscious effort to detach from her previous life. She was no longer interested in being, as she describes it, a person of society. Her purpose is fully rooted in her Buddhist practice, centered on ideals of peace, liberation and being morally good. I'll never truly know her story, or how exactly events like the Vietnam War affected her, but that's okay. Some emotions and feelings are not meant for others to know. All that matters is she's found her inner peace and community. I greatly admire that. This story is for my grandma, for myself, and lastly, it's a tribute to that early morning great bell, ringing in a fresh day and a chance to begin again anew. That story was
0: produced by Emma Pham. Daniel Simo was the supervising producer. All the Best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to Elders past and present. All the Best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal Land, in association with SIN and 3RRR on Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung, and Boon Wurrung lands, and 8CCC on Arunda and Warramungu lands. The All The Best editorial manager is Mel Chun. Anusha Rana is our social media producer, and Lydia yosef is our community and events coordinator. Shining Bird composed our theme music, and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. And we're made possible by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find out more at cbf.org.au. You can listen back to our full archive of more than 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Danny Stewart. Thanks for listening.